You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. Kids should go to school. That's what we're committed to. Why do we want it? Why do we want it? No! I haven't flip flopped. I said no originally, then I said yes, then I have said no, and I've stuck to it. I didn't need to do this. I've already done a lot of war for the election. The English fought a civil war over this matter. Over this matter. Don't deal with the nuance of the Canberra bubble. I don't know what to do with it. We have so much money. What we want is more learning in schools and less activism in schools. Issues that perhaps may be controversial today, but 30 years from now, your children, your grandchildren are going to be thankful that you stood up for what it was right. Represent. 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 You're listening to Represent. You're back on Represent with George. Joining me today is Deacon Candidate for Labour, Matt Gregg. Thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure, George. We won't waste too much of your time today. We'll get right into it, into the questions. And basically, just um, to start us off, tell us a little bit about yourself and your campaign so far in the Deacon electorate. Okay. Uh, well, 15 years ago, I was uh, sitting in your spot hosting a very similar show to this one on SIN. Um, I, I then uh, completed qualifications in law and education, um, began my career as a teacher, which I did for several years, and have more recently been working as a lawyer, um, which has been good. Um, in Deakin, uh, we've been essentially trying to get out there and meet as many folks as we can. Um, many experiences, many different lives, um, and lots of problems to be solved uh, by a government that, that cares and is willing to do the work necessary to create a better future for everyone. Um, so we've been... Um, visiting organisations, individuals, knocking on doors, meeting people in shopping centres, near train stations, wherever we can find them. And uh, it's, it's been a, a very rewarding experience so far. So I've really been enjoying it. Yeah, definitely. That's one of the things we were actually talking about just before we got on to our listeners. Um, yeah, just I've noticed a lot of, like, especially in Deakin, the Labour Party's been really active within the community, into different, yeah, like centres and whatnot. And just really randomly, I didn't know you were part of SIN at some part. Mm. Your, what, what were you doing on SIN before? Um, so I was hosting a similar show to this one. I think it was yeah. called uh, Comment. And then I co-hosted one earlier in that called The Fine Line. And we chatted politics and news and things like that, interviewed politicians and bands if they'd come on, um, which, yeah, which was a very rewarding experience at the time and obviously um, provides you with a lot of opportunities to gain skills and, and meet people you wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to meet. So... Um, it was certainly a great early training ground for me um, and obviously forced me to read all the newspapers and watch all the news, which is, is a good practice for what I'm doing now. Yeah, uh, well, you heard it here first. Um, you wouldn't have been there in your position without some media. I'll take mm-hmm. that. But, um, yeah, apart from that, it's, it's, yeah, it's really great to have you on. Um, but yeah, I'll go on to one of your key topics in your campaign. That's more to do with education and kind of the accessibility, I'd say more so of education in general. Um, mm. I don't think I've heard you sp- speak specifically about the privatization of education so far. I know it's a big topic on the Greens agenda um, and how they kind of want to eliminate privatization. What's your kind of view on that? I suppose what it depends on what you mean by privatization. Um, I'm certainly a supporter of public education, um, but in terms of schools, I wouldn't necessarily be 
trying to demonize all private schools or public schools is bad. We want every child to have a great education. Um, and if their parents choose to send them to a private school, that's fine. But I do think it's important that we properly invest in public education um, and that we do everything we can to ensure that public schools are great schools. Um, and then the decision to send um, a child to, public, to private schools is then simply a matter of personal choice. So I, I, I'm never a fan of trying to just set things off against one another. Same as with TAPEs. Obviously, we need to support government-funded TAPE. That has to be the priority. But when people say private, we often conjure images of uh, for-profit institutions ripping off students, but you've also got a lot of non-for-profit organisations that technically run private colleges. For example, in my electorate, um, Ringwood Secondary College runs an organisation called Ringwood Training. It's technically a private RTO, but isn't there for profit, delivers good courses, um, and is filling a gap uh, from the tape sector. So I, I don't like to try and express you know, my views on education in those binary terms, because I think there can be a role for both of them. It's just a question of where government prioritizes its resources. Yeah, yeah thank, you, thank you for that. Very well put. I think um, a lot of the confusion sometimes stems from, yes, like whether we should actually, well, from a, I guess, a left-leaning side of things, whether privatization, like, you know, like private schools and like Catholic schools and all that should receive less of more funding. And yeah, it's, it's important mm -hmm. and to- we definitely, And we definitely want public schools to receive more funding. So we want to make sure that, um, you know, schools uh, in the, in the public sector received that 100% of the school's resource standard, that minimum standard to ensure that kids get a great education, that will be a priority. Um, but we certainly don't want students to miss out on the education that they need and deserve simply because their school happens to be outside the government sector. Yeah, definitely. And just touching more federal labour schemes of things um, and definitely with how they kind of want to impose the National Anti-Corruption Commission, um, what, what's your take on that, Matt? Something that is long overdue. Um, trust and confidence in government in this country has eroded. Um, we've had anti-corruption commissions at a state level for many, many years now. Um, they have revealed horrible, um, horrible examples of misconduct, abuse of power. Um, we have seen from this government um, examples of misuse of ministerial power, you know, public power, for what is clearly personal political gain. And that is not acceptable. Uh, it cannot be tolerated. Um, it is the definition of corruption to be misusing public power for personal gain. And when, you're, when you've got a legislative program created under, created under laws passed by the parliament, but then using a color-coded Excel spreadsheet to distribute public funds, that's a culture that cannot be tolerated. And if it is tolerated, um, then it's, it's only fair that the public start to wonder um, whether whether our politicians are actually doing their job, whether our political system is fit for purpose and really fuels um, disenfranchisement with politics more broadly. Um, so it is in the interest of everyone uh, to, to ensure that government is held to account. And it really should be for any, for any leader or government with integrity, it should be in their interest to weed out those that are doing the wrong thing in their party. And so when we talk about National Anti-Corruption Commission, we're not talking about a partisan witch hunt. We're talking about changing the way government operates and weeding out all the bad operators across the political spectrum. And I think that's really important because um, I think a lot of people know why Morrison um, might be a little resistant to the idea of a powerful anti-corruption commission. Um, we've, got, we've had you know, a conga line of rorts and scandals and waste. Um, and I don't think many Australians think that that kind of conduct is acceptable. And to be honest, I've spoken to a lot of people out in Deakin and whether they be conservative or progressive, they all agree 
that there needs to be proper accountability and transparency in government and that something's got to give. Um, so I think it's probably one of the key issues of this election um, is whether the current, the current approach is appropriate or whether it is finally time to hold the political class to account as well as the public service and other office bearers. But I think this really does need to be a line in the sand on that kind of behaviour. Um, we also need to make sure the public funds are actually used for the purpose of which they're compulsorily taken from taxpayers. Um, I, I, I look at it as you're essentially the trustee of taxpayer money. Uh, it's not their money to spend. It's not appropriate for the federal government to be spending taxpayer funds as though it is the Liberal Party's bank account. It's not. It's there to be, it's there to serve a purpose. It's there to provide essential services. And when money is distributed in such a grossly partisan way, um, it, yeah, it, it just cannot continue. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually pretty interesting to hear that from um, the Labour Party, especially because I think previously maybe it was almost a bipartisan issue to almost be against um, any action against lobbying, especially. I think it's definitely a defining feature of this election that the Labour Party is definitely taking a stronger stance. Um, with the Anti-Corruption Commission, it's definitely a key policy that Anthony Albanese has undertaken. Um, and yeah. Well, I mean, the lobbying is one thing, and there, there are some, certainly some reform to be done in that space as well. Um, and clear transparency around, you know, who's meeting who when and, and where the money's coming from. Um, I would agree that there's more work to be done, but the focus of this is really how is public power used? Um, and, and really, we've just had so many examples now that it's an untenable position to suggest that everything's A-OK as it is. And, and to, use, to use really silly terms like kangaroo court to describe an, an anti-corruption commission with teeth is, is as juvenile as it is misleading. It's, it's completely inappropriate. Their, their so-called Commonwealth Integrity Commission um, wasn't worth the paper it was written on. I mean, you know you're in trouble if the finest attribute that can be spoken of it is its page count. And that's all they're going on and saying, oh, well, it's 350 pages. The fact that it's 350 pages of rubbish designed to cover up corruption uh, seems to have been lost on them. Um, but, you know, this is a government that has its ministers spend half the day, you know, making wasteful... Uh, making wasteful commitments with public funds and then spending the other half of the day talking about how responsible they are with money and doing so without a, a sense of irony. <laughs> and so I think it's, um, I think it's time to, to, to call their behaviour for what it is and, and get on with the job of actually fixing the way government works in this country. Yeah, definitely. And just moving on a little bit from the, from the Anti-Corruption Commission, um, I kind of just want to touch on with the federal election in itself so far, a lot, we are a young show and we've, a lot of our topics are directed towards the issues that confront young people the most. And obviously the biggest issue confronting young people is climate change. Mm. Keep bearing that in mind, um, I think to a lot of young people, it's pretty easy to be disenfranchised with this election considering um, a lot of the discussion hasn't actually been based around climate change, especially when I think back to the debate, I don't think there was really any mention of climate change. And even mm -hmm. on Anthony Albanese or Scott Morrison have really made any efforts to kind of use climate change to, you know, garner votes or garner any action. Personally, Matt, um, how, do, how do you see the stance on, obviously, I'm, I'm sure I'm aware of what your position on climate change is, but what do you think should be done within this election and the new government if Labor were to be elected? I, th I think um, we need to encourage voters to, to look at both parties' policies very, very carefully um, because there are huge differences between the two parties. 
Um, in terms of 2030 targets, Morrison has stuck with the incredibly unambitious 26 to 28% 2030 target set by Tony Abbott, someone who's not exactly a, a champion of climate action. Um, Labor, on the other hand, is talking about a 43% target by 2030 and some very clear actions to get us there. Um, a clear plan, costed plan, one that's gone through rigorous independent modelling to get us to that 43% by uh, 2030. And that is obviously going to put us on the only plausible pathway available to get to that net zero by 2050. Um, it's, you know, it's an objective the Libs claim to have, but their only policy is a pamphlet um, you know, that really can be summarised as a, a bumper sticker that says magic happens. Um, they, every time they come close to a workable position on climate change, the coalition starts eating itself up. Um, so they're relying on gibberish and nonsense um, when they know full well they just haven't got, they haven't got the political courage or, or the foresight to take what is critical action um, to address to address a very serious environmental as well as an economic issue. Um, and you know you cannot be a credible party um, when speaking about the economy if you refuse to do anything about climate change. To continue kicking the can down the road um, is completely untenable. The sensible minds in the Liberal Party no doubt know that, but they're unfortunately, a, you know, the Liberal Party is a party that operates at the behest of the National Party, um, which does not, which does not have well-considered views on the subject. Um, and it's, it's really held our country back for, you know, a decade now, and we really can't afford to enter a second decade of that behaviour. So I think climate change does deserve to be um, top of the agenda. Obviously, policy in that space is complicated, but I think I would encourage every voter, I don't think, I would encourage every voter to look very carefully at the policies on offer because they really are different. Uh, you know, a Liberal Party member might have nice green trees or something on their, on their pamphlets. They might mention climate change, but when you actually look at what they're doing, um, it is unacceptably poor practice um, on their part. And we have to get, get, get over the smoke and mirrors and actually see what's being proposed because um, this is a critical issue um, for for people of all ages, but particularly young people who are going to feel the effects of this more, you know, more than others. Um, and I think young people have a lot invested in us acting on this now. Um, and I would encourage them to, to vote accordingly. Yeah, definitely. And I think something that, that you mentioned in there with, within regards to um, learning policies and I guess learning the voting system in general is actually a key part of something that I think we need to strengthen um, to mm -hmm. strengthen our democracy, especially the preferential system. Um, I'm just going off topic a little bit here, but no. one of the things that within your electorate, especially within Deakin, um, something that would be, be very beneficial to the Labour Party, I think, would be if, if there was more, I guess, information about how the preference system worked, would that be something mm -hmm. that you think would be, um, that should be prioritised, not just from a Labour perspective, but maybe just from, um, you know, Australia's political arena in general? Yeah, I think there, there's always more we can do in that space. I, I know that the AEC did send out a, a rather large flyer recently. Um, <laughs> a, a friend of mine had theirs delivered with a Liberal Party flyer inside of it, so I don't know what happened there, but generally I think the AEC is good in, in in sending out, you know, independently prepared material that does explain the system, um, it's it's incredibly difficult, particularly in electorates like mine, where there is a barrage of negative rubbish on flyers being sent everywhere. Um, you know, under the guise of information, um, so it, it verges from misleading to just plain lies, um, and it's all designed to attack. And then you get some elements. Um, just use the defence, oh, well, it's not illegal to use misleading statements 
in election material. Well, I think we, we need a little truth in the game. Um, there should be accountability for those that tell clear, demonstrable, outright lies that you know are defaming other sides just to get ahead. Um, and so I think the AC does have a role in that, but we all also have to be informed consumers of that information. And the same is true online because we are more than ever being bombarded with rubbish prepared with a, with a political motive. Um, and so the ability to discern what is not only, you know, fact and fiction, but also what agendas are, are underpinning the messages people are receiving is really important. We need to be quite savvy about it. Um, because if it really, if it's an extraordinary statement about another person, we all need to try and fact check. Um, because there is, yeah, there's a lot of misinformation out there um, and a lot of tricks being used, um, certainly in my lecture to try and, you know, to, to encourage people to, to stick with the status quo. Um, but it's, it's something that is irresponsible um, to produce. But unfortunately, we are, we're all just going to have to take on the responsibility as individuals to inform ourselves to the best of our ability, to seek alternative perspectives, um, and to make sure that we aren't just accepting things because emotive photos are on them or because, you know, big scary writing is on it or, and things like that. Um, black and white images and unflattering angles uh that the works um so um and, and we've had the full we've had the full range of them uh in deacon center to a lot of people i get a lot of calls um telling me that, that people have received you know almost a dozen negative flyers all um all just saying nonsense about the labor party and coming up with agendas of their own really that they they're then attacking um which have no reflection in actual labor party policy whatsoever so um, it, it's a tough, it's a tough position, but I think the AEC does have a role in educating consumers. Our, our curriculum does as well. Um, it's obviously in the Victorian and the national curriculums, um, but is often taught in a very dry way and forgotten by most of us by the time we get to voting age. And and politics just isn't something that's on the minds. I mean, obviously, people like yourself and myself think about this stuff a lot, but for a lot of people, they've got other things going on in their life, and um, politics is just a, is just you know and an unwelcome distraction from real life sometimes. Um, so it's, um, it is going to be a challenge, but I think there's always more that can be done to inform people. Um, but during the time of an election period, uh, it's, it's a sad reality of current politics that um, every voter is going to be bombarded with a lot of material and a lot of it will be complete and utter garbage. Yeah, I guess that's a fitting way to, <laughs> to end it. Uh, that, that is a lot of politics in general, a lot of a lot of garbage, but, you know, you take the wins with the losses. That being said, mm -hmm. I won't take up any more of your time today, Matt. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Speaking to the right. candidate, Labour candidate for Deacon, Matt Gregg, you can find out more about him on his Twitter and Instagram pages. You will listen to Represent here on Sin. You've been listening to a Sin Media podcast where young people run the show. 